Hello, hello, dear star shines. Welcome to another edition of the Lunchtime Chat. Hello, dear sister Beverly. Hello, Sherry. You guys let me know that my sound is coming through okay. Welcome, welcome. Go ahead and say hi. Let us know that you're here. I'm checking to see about my sound. Okay, thank you, Beverly. All right, well, welcome, welcome, welcome. For those of you who are new, my name is Christina and I am in a, a consciousness acceleration expert. And we are here to talk about those topics and issues that are significant for us star seeds, way showers, and new paradigm visionaries. We have capacities, we have abilities that are breaking through our human conditioning. Therefore, we have very unique perspectives to the kinds of experiences we, our loved ones, and the world is going through at this time of chaos and change. And I'm here to do to the best of my ability to provide a liberated perspective to those challenges. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, dear, dear sister Louise. Hey, Darren, nice to see you. Hey, Jackie. Um, yeah, so I'm still in Guatemala. And uh, right now I'm on the top floor, the um, the apartments that I've been staying in. This is my favorite <laughs> place so far. I, I absolutely love this terrace that's behind me. You know, something I love about Latin America is that uh, they they leave their rooftops to be cultivated in many in many um, instances, and I just I just love that. In Tulum, they do this too. I do my best to find a um, a place that has a rooftop, just because it's so nice to be you know, oh, 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 there's a hawk carrying its prey. How auspicious is that? Um, sorry, that totally took me out of my uh, my piece there. Oh, yeah, this is what I love about Tulum because I, there's uh, all these buildings that are going up and it's biz busy hustle and bustle, but uh, you can be just above it all where it's where it's not as busy and you, and you have the open sky and it's just, it's such a delight. Anyway, welcome everybody. Welcome, welcome. Hey, Tony, glad you're here. Um, you know, I was. Uh, we have some interesting things to talk about today. I want to talk about time fields and how they act as lenses to our our perceptions and our consciousness. And um, I'm also talking about some of the uh, veils they've lifted to some deeper levels of um, awareness within, revealing telluric records. And I'm going to talk about some of the um, deeply embedded distortions that uh, we are currently unraveling within the academy. Um, I, I feel like it's important to talk about that because there's been a pretty significant shift. So, you know, we have been doing this work in the academy for quite a number of years now. And, you know, how we do things now is very different to how we did things six months ago, two years ago, three years ago, six years ago, you know, and this is because we are, um, we are a mystery school, but not like other mystery schools, you know, a lot of mystery schools have like a, a text, a sacred book, a, a deep teaching that goes back um, that's been, you know, handed down through the priesthoods, through the priestesshoods, stuff like this. But um, though our roots go deep, my roots go deep, uh, we are, we are, we're different, you know, because our aim, it seems to, it's ultimately, it's always about liberation and freedom, liberating the spirit. But um, that can mean a lot of things. And, and so I want to put the statement out there to you guys so you can see how this resonates for you. This is for everybody listening live and the recording, because our planet is changing very, very rapidly. And the mystery schools that are alive in this planet today, and granted, I don't know them all. <laughs> I only know the ones that I've been exposed to. Um, you know, it seems like some of some of them might have, some of them are keeping up and some of them are not. And so I just want to, you know, talk about, put words to what our, our particular mission is beyond the statement of um, liberating and liberation and freedom. Okay. So we 
we empower sacred dreamers. And you may know you're a sacred dreamer. You may not know that you're a sacred dreamer. You may feel like, yes, I'm a sacred dreamer and have no idea what that means. And that is just perfect because quite literally our need to understand blinds us from a lot of the things that are happening with these veils that are lifting. So we empower that sacred dreamer within you to undomesticate, to break free from your human conditioning so you can touch, know, live from that untamed wild spirit that is the truth of who you are. Okay. And I, I love the, this particular way of saying it because it's not about worshiping anything. It's not about venerating something that's outside of yourself. It's all about dismantling the conditioning that we, me, you, our ancestors going back many hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of years, depending on what time lens you're looking at. We are undoing these conditionings so we can restore the truth of who we are going all the way back to the times of Lumeria, all the way back to the times before time. And why, why is this significant? This is significant because as these doorways, as these veils open, 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 and we start creating from deeper aspects of ourselves, we have an opportunity to completely retake this reality to restore this reality to one that is sacred, okay? We're all of existence. Every life form, every moment of every day is sacred. And this is what many, well, I don't, many but few indigenous teachings try to get us to and this is, you know, understanding that if you make every action, every routine into a sacred act, you are enhancing its meaning. You are enhancing the presence. You are making room for the presence of your spirit. And the more we are in synchronicity, the more we are in um, harmony with the natural rhythms of nature, the easier and more natural this is. The more we keep rhythm with the, I'm going to call it false artificial rhythms, the more difficult this is. And this is because everyday life these days in the city or country, even though things are slower in the country, it's still um, kept at a rhythm that is not in harmony with the natural rhythms of nature, of mother nature, that's Pachamama, but also the cosmos the galactic, the celestial. A great example is the new year we just had. Absolutely zero celestial significance. <laughs> it's purely within the human construct. If humans were not on this planet or if humans were living by true time, that, that transition would mean almost nothing. Matter of fact, that wouldn't even be a mark of transition. The new year would have started with a cycle that had a celestial significance as in a celestial relationship that impacted the entire globe. Um, for example, the new moon that we're having is the, the official mark of the start of the year of the dragon. So that's because the year of the dragon is a Chinese cultural um, significance and they their new year starts with the new moon it doesn't go by the january 1st model um, what's really interesting is that in conversations passing through messaging and all this other stuff i started to recognize how other people more and more and more are keeping a different kind of time Okay, and this is where I'm going to go into that time field as a lens to our, to our consciousness. So 
we have, all right, I'll just name some of the calendars that are really well known. We have the Orthodox calendar, which goes by the moon. We have the Chinese calendar, which also goes by the moon cycles. We have the, um, the Hebrew calendar that I'm not really familiar with that calendar, but I know that it's different in the sense of um, they, they're keeping different years than what the global acceptance is right now. Um, there's the Gregorian calendar, of course, and then you have the Zodiac calendar, and then you have um, the uh, things like the Mayan calendar, the Mayan day counts, stuff like this. And of course, there's other calendars out there that I, I really can't put names to right now. I know I know of them, but I'm not exactly clear on what they're called or how they work. But to me, this is a really good sign. To me, this means that humanity is starting to wake up and, and um, activate the keys inside of them to accessing deeper and deeper telluric knowledge. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. So we have, uh, thank you, Darren. Darren added in uh, a Turtle Island calendar. Um, I'm familiar with the story of Turtle Island, but I don't know the calendar. So if there's a link or something that you know that um, tells the story or has a, what, an example of what that calendar looks like, feel free to post it. People here would be interested in that sort of thing. So going back to... Um, and this is significant because the calendars that govern our daily life is a rhythm. And when a rhythm is, you know, going in its, in its sympathetic or not sympathetic with the natural rhythms, it, it, we're, we're, our actions are a little bit off step, you know, to the, and, and that may seem insignificant, but it's not. Because when you pile on a bunch of artificial rhythms, now you have this, this wall of confusion and static between our awareness and the natural rhythms, but also our awareness and the telluric records, our cellular memory. Okay. And it's really, really significant for us to access our cellular memory at this time because our DNA is waking up, pressure is getting put upon us to wake up these DNA dances, because the alternative to not waking up the DNA dance is living a life of high stress, of unhappiness, of disconnection, of depression, of disease, okay? So we are faced with no other option, really, if we want to have a happy life, if we want to have peace deep inside, if we want to live at ease, if we want to feel our interconnectedness, it requires us to wake up to ourselves. It requires us to cleanse uh, the way for this deeper, this deeper rooting. Um, and, you know, I've been in, let's see, what did I get here? I got here in Guatemala. I got here almost, I don't know, a little over a week and a half ago. And I was getting activated really quickly. And I, I've been thinking about why is this happening? Because I've, because I'm in a city, I'm not even in the country, I'm in Guatemala City. And, um, and I'm like, this is interesting. <laughs> uh, why is it happening like this? What's going on? And even in Lightbody and our dream clinics and stuff like this, like we're, we're really expanding into other places. And, um, and it, it hit me in a conversation that I was having a couple nights ago. And this is because you know, the Western, the Western, a lot of the Western or Western minded people live in the cities, but in the country, it's still very Mayan. When you go into the country, there are still, most of the people are, are close to their Mayan roots. Many of the women still wear the ancestral garb, men too, you know, and there are the ancient healing arts that are alive. And, you know, there's a field, what I realized is there, there's a field here that is accessible that's not as easily accessible when I'm in Mexico, just to the north. Now, Guatemala, in its history, they consider themselves originally as part of Mexico. 
So why is it so different? And I, I believe it's because the Mayan tribal consciousness is still alive here, much more alive than in the places that I've been um, visiting in Mexico. Now, granted, I have not gone deep. Well, I've gone to some country, but I haven't gone to um, really deep areas. Like most of the places I've been are things like, um, well, the different ruins, of course, and Merida and Valladolid and Tulum, Cancun, Playa, you know, those places, um, Bacalar. But those, those are um, very westernized places, let's say like that. It has its own magic, but the field is doesn't have the level of congruency as the field here. And I really feel like part of what's holding this field to be accessible by the human conscious mind, by the DNA dance, is the fact that um, the Mayan calendar teachings are still very alive here. Um, I've only dived just a little bit into the the kind the timekeeper stuff. Um, as far as minds to go, I mean, there's people that know far more than I do in their conscious awareness. What I have to say about it is purely, purely intuitive, really. But there is a creation story from the Popol Vuh that I was briefly exposed to where it talked about the star elders in their creation, their first creation of life. And at first glance, you might hear that they created man out of corn but that's but they created something else first out of corn their intention was to create a consciousness that could keep the days okay to create a consciousness that time could be kept by okay and that was with the yellow corn and the white corn and what happened was the yellow corn became the sun and the white corn became the moon. And the story seems very simple at first, but when you start taking a step back and understanding that the mythology are truths that are yet to be realized, okay, you start to, it's, it starts to get easier to pull back these layers of mystery and recognize that there is a, there's an understanding, layers of understanding being conveyed in a story like this. So when the uh, Spanish came and were conquering and colonizing this area, I was told a story that they burned all the sacred books, but one, and that was the Popol Popo Vuh, the book of the people, the book for, of the community. And that was kept sacred. It was kept secret. It was hidden. It was that important, which means that the stories within that book contain keys, keys to deep, levels of awareness that were considered so important that this is the one book to, to hide. This is the one book to make sure is kept safe. And this is also where um, many scholars and researchers have touched base with to start redeveloping their understanding of the Mayan calendar. Now there's oral traditions that kept understandings alive but these researchers played a really big role in fleshing out the the keepers the keeping of time the long count and the short like jose argulis and johan kalaman and, and other researchers like this so the time field that's offered by this calendar i feel is so harmonic is and it's harmonic in such a way that it keeps a living vibrating field alive that connects human and nature and earth together it's not separate it's not completely severed yet and the reason why i'm getting activated one of the reasons why, I mean, I feel like this is all accumulation of so many things is that um, I and the people in Life Body are have been practicing dream time for quite some time, dreaming as in a mechanism to track deeply into the great mystery of who we are. 
And we've been working in these fields for a number of years. We've been cleaning up the lenses within. We've been cleaning up the ancestries, the uh, the emotional subconscious wounding, the traumas. You know, we've been doing this for quite some time. So we are very ripe to uh, be able to benefit from this field, from this resonance of this field. And ever since I have been doing this, I've been getting introduced to new stories. And there is a story that, um, very impactful story on YouTube of all places, right? Things just end up <laughs> in, my, in my mailbox sometimes. And it was um, a story of the Lemurian priestesses and priests. They were the keepers of the ages. They were the keepers of the wisdom of dragons, the wisdom of life. Okay. Now we've had different interactions with Lemurian consciousness, Atlantean consciousness uh, for many years. But what's, what's happening is that there's a deepening in the storytelling. There's a deepening in the connection and understanding. And the story, and I told this in a clinic a couple days ago, or maybe that was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. <laughs> the story that really is standing out to me is that um, in Lumeria, the sacred dreamers, Atlantis did exist at the time. So it was, you know, one of the later phases of the Lumerian culture. They, through dream time, they knew a great shift, a great tragedy has happened in the cosmos. And the ripple effect of that tragedy was going to eventually reach Earth. And it was going to be in the form of a great catastrophe. And this is in connection with what we call the Great Flood. And they knew it couldn't, that it was inevitable. So they they strategized. They decided they were going to leave their um, the heart of their cultural um, center and and release emissaries to go out to all the other cultures, all the other civilizations that were on that were existing in the realm in the realm of Pachamama at the time and start telling sacred stories. And the intention of sharing these sacred stories was to impress the memory on the DNA of everybody who hears these stories. Now, this is something very, very significant because we're talking about a way of storytell that is using a language much more powerful than maybe than any other of the, ling of the languages here in this realm at this time because the Greek and the Roman, the Latin, those are all after, those are all post-flood. Those are all um, after the Anunnaki helped us recolonize. Um, you also have the different Cyrillic languages. Those two are post-flood. So this is after the, the recolonization. This is a sacred language, a story told in a sacred language that is so in alignment and harmonic with truth that it literally programs the DNA with the telling of a story, okay? And they sent their emissaries out to the different colonies, civilizations in this realm to tell the sacred story with the sacred language so the memories would be imprinted in the DNA dance of all beings of this realm. So when the catastrophe did happen, the records would not be lost. The records of our roots of who we are would not be lost. You guys let me know if you're getting any uh, sensations with what I'm saying so far. Yeah, I'll come into the comments in a moment. Uh, let me finish this piece and I'll come into the comments. So this is maybe what we might understand as light language. And this is a light language that speaks things into form. 
I've also been sinking further into the recounts of the acts of Thoth, Toth, depending on everybody's potato, potato, right? <laughs> so I say Thoth. And there is a recounting of a story of him building a temple here in Mesoamerica where he spoke the stones, the building blocks of this temple into existence. He spoke them into existence. That means from sound frequency, from those nesting dolls of sound frequency, through the unseen nesting dolls of creation, through the morphic fields, through the mists of Plutonia, manifested these building blocks. I'm saying this like this because it's also going to hit some memories within you guys. These time lenses are, some of them are ancient and they frame up our reality in a way where we are faced with decoding the distortions and getting to the truth behind the reality. When we have stories like the two I just told you, you can imagine how that actually starts to change our ideas about how things work within the unseen realm. You can see how, in a, maybe in a more almost tangible way, how when I say we have the capacity of dreaming the world into being, you can see maybe a, an idea of how this happens. Because reality really is as tangible as dream time. And when I say that, think about recounts of, I'm sure many of you have heard stories of people who are lucid dreamers. And in the lucid, once they wake up within their dream, they're so lucid, they can start changing their dream, changing the landscape, changing what they're engaged with. Okay. This reality is the same way. Once we wake up to who we really are, understanding that everything within this sacred realm is a tool for our exploration. We free things up inside and we can start daring to explore the dream realms and daring to touch our own capacity of how we are dreaming this world into being. It takes a courageous heart. It takes one who dares to challenge the rules of reality. And this is why I'm bringing the time field lens into your awareness so you can start to get a picture on how they're layered in such a way that it obscures the truth that is right in front of us. Um, I was listening to a Maori timekeeper that was being interviewed on a dear sister. Oh my God, this young starseed. Wow, amazing young girl. Yay, amazing young girl. And she was interviewing him. And he too was talking about uh, time, but also language. And how our language is another level of disempowerment tooling. And that is we use words now that in our cellular memory back thousands of years meant the exact opposite for what we use it for now. So things like salary, things like bless, blessed, things like, um, oh my gosh, there's, there's a whole bunch, there's people that do whole, you know, long list of researches, um, researching the entomology and have discovered that most of the words that we use, endearment, stuff like this, these are all originally meaning the opposite of how we use them today. And you might think, what does that have to do with anything? It's how we use it today that counts. No, how we use it today is an overlay to a momentum of consciousness, okay, that started a long time ago. 
It's alive in our cells. It's alive in the consciousness grids of this planet. It's alive on many layers. And yes, we may choose to be clueless to these other layers, but then that's us willingly colluding with our blindness and our disempowerment. So you can see as we wake up out of these pieces, why they start to become relevant in our understanding. Now, I had a dear star shine that was really, really deep into this. And it was really, it started to get difficult to um, even have a conversation sometimes with her because uh, every, almost everything that I talked about, she would point out how the word is the opposite of what it meant. And it's true. It is true. But, and we have the capacity as master dreamers, as sacred dreamers to recalibrate, retone the words that we use. This is why the language of the soul is something that is referred to as poetry. A single sentence has many meanings. This is our untamed spirit reclaiming the capacities that we have for ourselves. So the dictionary meaning of a word is irrelevant. It's about the power and presence and feeling behind the words that we're using that becomes the true meaning. You, you guys understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. Wonderful. All right, I'm gonna pause there and check in with Dear Star Shines with their comments here. All right, so we have, all right, hello. Oh, hey, Carol, good to see you. Ella, darling, good to see you. Um, oh, look at that. So. She says, I've been reading something about the kundalini energy of earth moving towards Guatemala and becoming more and more potent with the years, Mayans being the keepers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ah, and then she goes on to say, I just got an aha moment of integration, remembering of a kind. Yes, I love those aha moments. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, okay, so dear sister Luna, um, carrying on that tangent of the words I was talking about, she, um, she says, I've been noticing with that um, where empathy and patient comes from the Greek root pathos, which means suffering. So she is now moving the word, uh, moving the meaning around. She says, I am instead calling in serenity over patience these days and feeling more into compassion versus empathy. Wow, what a wonderful point. Thank you. Thank you for making that point. Yes. So people like you, people like me, those of us who have been stripping away these blind spots and getting more deeper into the authenticity of who we are, we are literally decoding, okay, these, uh, these lenses that have been blinding us to things. So to add an extra layer to that is consider the time that you're keeping. Consider the time that you're keeping for real. Um, one of the ways that I do this is, number one, I will never wake up with an alarm clock. <laughs> okay. Uh, I do, if I have to wake up early for to catch a flight or for something like this, I'll, uh, as I'm falling asleep, I'll start tapping my, my lymphatic system, telling my body to wake up at a certain time. That's what I do. It works. Um, so that's one way. And another way is that I let solar time have more dominance in my year than than the Gregorian calendar time. Now I live in the Western world and I keep appointments according to a Western calendar or Gregorian calendar. So of course I do need to have contact with it, but it's not the ruler of my life. I'm more aware of the new moons and full moons and the, and the solar relationships and the different um, stars than I am the days of the week. In fact, most of the time when people ask me, you know, people don't actually, if you really know me, they don't bother asking me what day it is because usually I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, but I really feel like this is a, um, this is a side effect of this unraveling that, I'm, that I've been in for so many years. Hey, Chica, welcome, welcome. Good to see you. So the time fields are very significant 
and it impacts our consciousness and how we relate to the outer world reality. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever dived deeper into the flat earth teachings. I saw a video many years ago that created where the where they just started to explain multidimensional reality, the ripple effect of multidimensionality by um, these clock faces that were clocks within clocks within clocks within clocks. And the outer one of the outer clocks was the um, the zodiac. And then there was the seasonal clock. Then there was Gregorian calendar clock. Um, then there was the lunar clock. And then, okay, so it's clock within clock within clock. And they use that model to describe multidimensionality. And I thought it was brilliant. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I posted it, but but I didn't realize, it's funny, I didn't realize this. I didn't realize it was actually a video explaining flat earth theory. I swear, I never heard them say the word flat earth. <laughs> you know, I was just astounded about how they were nestling in the clocks and the energy behind what they were talking about. I thought it was fabulously done. So now that I'm, uh, you know, the veils are lifting, I'm getting deeper into the telluric records. I'm, I'm seeing how even the Zodiac clock is a deeply embedded program from our Anunnaki colonizers. And I'm not saying Anunnaki is good or bad, by the way. It's with all beings. You have tyrants and you have kindness you know all races have these things um celestial races as well as uh earthly races planetary races you might call them but what i am what i am saying the records are pretty consistently establishing that after the great flood the anunnaki came to help us recolonize and for many people, they considered this a blessing. And what's very interesting, and I didn't understand, you know, it takes all these years later. I read, I read um, uh, the Pleiadian agenda many, many, many years ago. And there is a statement made by the Pleiadians who are the architects of the Lumerian uh, uh, consciousness grids. Um, architect, is that the right way to say it? I would say they're keepers. They, they were once keepers of that consciousness grid of Lemuria. Um, they said the, the, the biggest regret of many of the um, Anu descendants was teaching humanity the God poison. And I think about this I thought about it then, and I still think about it now, and I realized that sentence has a, a whole nother meaning as I'm getting deeper into um, reflecting on these, these historical stories on this planet. And I don't know if you guys have seen Ancient Apocalypse on Netflix. Uh, it's an excellent series. I, I mean, I'm not a big TV buff or Netflix buff, but that series is really worth watching. It's Graham Hancock um, and all of his research and historical accounts of the um, different um, sacred sites that blow the current accepted dating of our history out of the water. And one of them being um, Gobekli Tepe that they found in, I believe it was Turkey, where this is a city that dates back 15,000 years, okay? And then he um, tracks the accounts of many, many ancient sites, and they all pretty much say the same story, that there was a comet, the comet brought uh, a disaster in one part of the world, and, and how the Kuntanawa tribe talk about it, it was an apocalypse brought by fire. And when they say apocalypse, they, they're talking about the way they, the, their way of life and how they existed ended and was all decimated by fire. And the Kuntanawa is in like where modern day Brazil jungle. And then the cultures that were far north here in uh, North America, going from Central America all through North America, those accounts were about flooding. The ones in the Eastern Hemisphere were also about flooding. So it pretty much paints this picture that a comet came, struck the earth and created a massive cata 
catechism, cataclysm, <laughs> not catechism, <laughs> sorry, that's a religious term. Anyway, um, cataclysm that pretty much destroyed all of the civilization, all the structures with mudslides, flooding, you name it. And that there was uh, emissaries of this event that came and told everybody this was going to happen and taught them how to prepare. Some have stories of going underground and living in the earth and meeting beings like the ant people. Some have stories of building giant ships and taking refuge on the water for many, many years. Others have stories of um, being taken in ships and being uh, caretaked in some way while, while the destruction was happening. But they all overlap the same story that when they reemerged back on the surface of this reality, there were great master teachers that came that were giants that taught about culture, music, poetry, history, and taught man to worship a god. The Lumerian records talk about before that teaching got inserted into the consciousness of humanity, man worshipped the earth and each other, as in took great care, held, the, held all of our relations in such high regard that you worked your will to create beauty and to bring enrichment to the life that was around you. Pretty much, instead of putting our energy towards worshiping a God to bestow favor on us or good crops or whatever, we held that kind of reverence for each other. We were so deeply in reverence of our interconnectedness that this realm was considered a paradise, a sacred realm. Um, and that seed is the poison that sits with us today. Now, if you look at all the different wars that have gone on in our culture, I'm just going to call it human culture, they're pretty much all based on, on religion. in some way. So you can see how the seed of the God poison, what that did is it seeded us to feed our deep interconnectedness with a warrior consciousness, which is the some sex of the Anunnaki, the ones that are aligned with the Draco consciousness. Now I'm not saying anybody's the enemy here because here now on in this realm we are faced with recalibrating and harmonizing all these aspects of who we are to bring everybody back into the fold so no matter who you are in the spectrum of consciousness everybody gets the invitation to come back home so but what this what i'm saying with this is that in that act and we began to worship these beings, they came from a warrior mentality, and we started to venerate the consciousness that feeds the need for battle, the need for war. And if you couple this with the mythology of humans being kicked out of the Garden of Eden, being cursed to reap only thistles and thorns from the earth, now we have something to fight about, which is resources, okay? And this is a consciousness grid that has been overlaid on this reality, fed by humans, 
Anunnaki alike. And this is a grid that goes far beyond this reality. This is a consciousness grid that extends out into different sectors of our celestial fields. So as we wake up to who we are, we start developing lenses to perceive these other nesting dolls of reality. And right now with the awakening of dragon consciousness, it's been waking up for quite some time, but now it's starting to reach, I want to say a critical mass. Now more than ever before, we have access to those sacred records that the Lemurian keepers were planting all those thousands and thousands of years ago. And we are faced with decoding those records and bringing the essence of that alive to activate higher forms of our DNA. And this is how we integrate these activations. This is how we integrate and become what many have, many indigenous um, prophecies have talked about, becoming the new human on this planet. And I love this because it doesn't exclude anybody. Everybody who wants to do this lens cleansing, so to speak, has access to these gifts, to these upgrades, so to speak, okay? Um, but the thing is, and this may be, you know, some people feel unfair with this, unfairness with this. People need to wake up to why it's important to do so. And this brings me to what I was saying in the very beginning, that the pressure that's being put on humanity right now is forcing people to reevaluate and uh, live more true to themselves if they want any hope to have happiness and peace in this life. Okay. All right, dear sister Luna Rio, welcome, welcome. She wants to chime in. Um, oh, Sardinia, there's there's evidence of these giants. This is true. I, I was just uh, um, being exposed to a story. The bones are still there. The people that know about them take can you know will take people to see these bones. So she says giant tombs and an indent uh, in women giant tombs and an indent on a mountain that is said to have been made by a giant um, that fell and straddled it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, see, these stories, they seem fantastical, but when we start clearing these lenses and start getting access to other alternative histories and the Telluric records, these kinds of stories activate something inside of us. They're no longer tall tales. <laughs> and this um you know this is a this is reminding of a teaching that was was told to me long ago when we we're when we were exploring the mysteries of the north and um my teacher alberto was saying that you know myths are simply truths we have not realized yet they're truths that we have not woken up to yet that's why they're still a myth once we wake up to the truth of their, what they're telling us, it becomes a sacred story, an origin story. And that is a powerful, powerful telling. Just like the Mayan origin stories, it's a powerful telling. Imagine if every time we feed someone deep in lack if we don't just you know give them food or give them you know whatever it is they need to help them recover instead of just doing that we actually gave them what it is they needed but gave it to them with a new origin story one that told them that they came from a magic seed that they came from a deep mystery that was one of the most miraculous events in the galaxy. 
Imagine if we told that to our children. <laughs> Imagine if we told that to people who are suffering that we're trying to help. Okay. It changes the playing field completely. Okay. So I'm getting, I'm getting into this, this other place here. And this is a point of frustration for a lot of people who are on the, um, the path of awakening. And that is having the need to understand get in the way of them actually understanding <laughs> them getting in the way of actually activating and integrating their, um, their new DNA dances. And I say this because logic and reason is an art. It's a mystery school brought forward by um, different philosophers, famous ones, uh, one being Pythagoras um, with the math school of ancient, I think it was Greece. So, and what happens is all of these are sprouted out of the teachings post-flood. So they all have a inception to them that keeps us narrow, our, our perceptions in a bandwidth. Versus if we are going off teachings that have never been domesticated, then that is one that's still steeped in mystery, that's still steeped in the abstract. So because the abstract cannot be logically understood, a lot of us struggle with it, okay? And it's, an, it's a muscle inside of our brain that isn't exercised very often. So our conditioning is what requires us to have a linear understanding of things. Now, you know you're, getting, you're, you're making progress when you're able to trust an intuitive knowing over your logic. Okay, if you're able to trust that intuitive knowing and take action from it, even though on the surface it's totally irrationally illogical, right? You are you're starting to get somewhere in the integration of activating your higher level or um, integrating your higher levels of DNA activations. Now, there's words put forward like 12 strand, 24 strand, 36. You know, there's all this. Um, I can't really speak to that because that is not the understanding I have of our DNA dance. Um, and this could be an understanding that's just unique to my, my lens. Uh, so I really can't speak to the DNA activations like that. But I do know that consciousness and DNA and deep inside my inner knowing tells me consciousness and the DNA dance are linked. The more free your DNA dance is, the more expanded it is and free to move, the more expanded your conscious awareness is. And where the rubber meets the road is you living an your life in a way that's authentic to that DNA dance. And quite literally, what I'm learning through my observations and, and in my own life is that people who are considered um, savants in this world are authentically living their DNA dance. They don't seem to be hindered by the same programming and consciousness grids that other people are hindered by. Why is this so? Why is this so? <laughs> in many ways, my, in my perception, it's because of the agreements that we came through the fields with. And maybe that's an ancestral agreement. Maybe it's a um, another kind of agreement. But according to the Sasquatch, every being that comes into this realm, that incarnates into this realm through, through a mother, makes these agreements. And the highest order of the agreement is to split us in two. So if we have a life, if we're born into a life where we're all in light, there is an equal counterbalance to that in the underworlds living the dark. And it's also vice versa. We may have a life of the light, pure light within the earth and on the surface live a life that's totally dark. So in this way, we can't punish the darkness because it's an aspect of the light. 
So it's really about waking these pieces up to their sameness and bringing them back together. It's fascinating pieces that the Sasquatch talk about because their time scale is much vaster than any other time record I have ever heard stories from. Their time records go back many millions of years, hundreds of millions of years. And I love this because their time record is able to tell stories of time that frame things up for the here and now in such a way that uh, it liberates one's perception or one's um, hooks and drags in the polarity field. Now, remember this polarity field, if you guys remember, I talked about this many chats ago, the polarity field had, was laid down and anchored by the societies known as Atlantis. Now, Lumeria had many phases and Atlantis had many phases, okay? So there's like the golden era, so to speak, of the Atlantean time. That's not necessarily the time that I'm talking about. It's more in the later era, eras of Atlantean times where the power over dynamics were getting anchored into the consciousness of this planet. These power over dynamics were born out of the perception of superiority. Okay. So this was a undercurrent that was inherited by the cedars, by the consciousness soul groups that were incarnate, incarnating in the Atlantean civilization. It was a multi-exopolitical civilization. It wasn't all about just humanoids. The perceptions of reality were far vaster than what they are now. So there were many different human races from many different galaxies, <laughs> okay? There were soul groups from many different sectors of the cosmos. You know, it was maybe what someone might call a cosmic metropolitan society but it was under the rule of a hierarchy. And there came the inherited sense of superiority. Versus Lumeria was more of a uh, organic, everything goes, everything is sacred the way it is kind of society. Nothing was hurried because nothing is in a hurry. You see what I mean? It's like everything is perfect exactly as it is. This is the teachings, the sacred wisdom of Cosmic Mother. So there is a recalibration and a reunification that all of us are faced with in the here and now. So this is why I'm, I'm telling you these tales. This is why I'm talking about the time fields. This is why I'm talking about the telluric records and cellular memories and DNA dances. And that's to give you a perspective and tools perhaps to waken you up. To, to, I said that weird. <laughs> tools to help you, support you in the integration and waking you up out of the old archaic version of human DNA dance. Now, it's very interesting, my path. I was so extraordinarily blessed, extraordinarily blessed. I had no clue. I was blind stepping into this work. I just knew in my heart when I wanted to do something, I wanted to do it. And it happened, even when it seemed impossible, even when I didn't have the time, I didn't have the babysitters, I didn't have the money, I didn't have that, you know, it's like I had the whole list of why it couldn't happen. But I knew in my heart, I wanted it. And I was going to go for it if that opportunity presented itself. And sure enough, it did. And though the people, the, the beings that came into my world to teach me, were not sounding at all like the teachings that other people on a spiritual path were, were learning, you know, and in a way, I kind of felt a lot like an odd man out in so many ways, because I just couldn't get with the, the mystery school programs that everybody else was in, you know, and this is like ancient Sanskrit teachings, ancient um, Rosicrucian teachings, the, uh, you know, there's all these different mystery schools out there, even the dolphin mystery schools, you know, it's, I resonate with the Palladian teachings a lot, but not enough to really want to chase that. 
But the ones that I did find myself in were talking about sacred dreaming, which at the time I barely, you know, I barely was in um, recollection of my dreams. The ones that I did have were very profound. And I realized later that's because a teacher in my dream time was present teaching me. <laughs> okay. And plus I had memory blocks to the memory, um, to abduction experiences when I was young. So when those blocks were removed, that opened up my dream time a lot more. Um, and the other thing that they talked about was the new human that these times were going to bring to this planet. And this new human wasn't about um, a next generation of humans. It was an awakening of a quantum human within the generations. So it wasn't, you know, only the offspring. It was the parents. It was the grandparents that had the capacity to wake up into the encodements of this new human. At the time, I'm talking 30 years ago, that was something really odd. Nowadays, you know, the teachings are more out there and, and accessible and people are touching on this. So what I'm getting at with this is that you are the new human. I am the new human. And what this means is, and I'm going over my time, uh, so hopefully you guys can stick around for this last piece. What this means is, is what we are bringing the reality fields that we are tasked with bringing forward into the current reality isn't anything that matches the foundations of the reality we're living right now. Okay. And what I mean is that, you know, a lot of people, when they think about new earth, they think about what we have going on right now, but better. Okay. We're not polluting. Everybody, you know, poverty is over. People aren't sick anymore. Um, there's peace on earth, right? Humanity's got a different attitude towards nature. See, you guys with me? That's what a lot of people consider new earth. And that is a very limited idea of what we're heading towards as new humans. And it's because our imagination can't stretch far enough to let go of, say, our modern conveniences, right? The way we do things, the way we think about how reality works. But as new humans, as our recollection goes back beyond the current age, right? And through our cellular memory, all the way back before time was time, we can dream an entirely new potential that doesn't look anything like this, okay? And this is, to me, very, very, very important. This is a pivotal piece to the new human experience. Because the old narrative of New Earth allows us to be manipulated with promises of zero point technology, with promises of med bed technology, with promises of an outside force forcing peace on earth. Okay. This is all power over dynamic ideas that are, it's deeply in the undercurrent. I want to plant this seed of thought with you guys. What if we can completely wipe the momentum of our current earth circumstances and dream forward something entirely new, completely different. One that is not based on our ideas of electricity, that is not based on our ideas of our current ideas of the mechanics of reality. What if we pull directly from the quantum a completely different society that functions under completely different paradigm rule, you know, completely different ideas. What does that look like? Mm, okay, I'll leave you guys with that thought. Thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out. Most of you guys hung out for the whole talk. I really appreciate your time and attention. I know how precious it is. So I'm deeply honored that you're here uh, giving me your, your focused attention. I really appreciate that. 
you guys, I encourage you, you know, keep doing what you're doing. These, these changes from within are happening, happening, happening. And as they do, the changes that you want to happen in your life will just automatically happen. It's not about how disciplined you are. It's not about, you know, all the different, you know, power ideas. It's, you know, dedication, commitment to self, commitment to knowing thyself. That's the piece that you need. And the rest of it all comes together from there. If you guys are interested in stepping into the great mysteries of dream time, I invite you guys to check out our Dreamtime Healing Project. This is a deep, deep, deep body of work where after you learn how to get command of your energy field and keep good energetic hygiene and start engaging in your dreams and in uh, certain ways, you start learning how to track dreams and start joining the team of, let's say, quantum dreamers and really let the magic and mystery unfold let your untamed spirit become realized um, so i invite you guys into that that's our Dreamtime healing project you can find more information about that in um, our our light body academy website thank you thank you thank you again i'll see you guys next time make it a great week bye bye